0: Well, we knew that uh, the uh, mRNA, the messenger RNA, was in the va- the COVID vaccines, right? And then you remember we started hearing a lot of folks, uh, there were a lot of people pushing, saying they were gonna be in the other assortment of vaccines, the regular vaccines, the ones you used to give the, uh, the kids, the routine ones that we've talked about, you know? And now, what do you think about it being in your food and your animals and things of that nature? Uh, And uh, well, we've learned a lot about mRNA, haven't we now? We're gonna learn a lot today, friends. Uh, Welcome here to America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, along with my co-host.
1: Dr. Peter McCullough.
0: All right, so this mRNA. uh, So this, you know, this is, uh, became part of the vernacular, part of our vocabulary here through the COVID years, Peter, of course, here. Uh, and today, let's make this a real education. We'll have Tom Rents on in just a bit here, too, and we'll we'll get a sense. He's been on in the front of this fight as well. But give us a sense uh, from an educational standpoint, this mRNA in the COVID vaccines, uh, what was the real danger in that to folks?
1: You know, America's had a love affair with messenger RNA since 1985. A paper in the British Medical Journal by LaLonley and colleagues summarizes Tens of billions of dollars of U.S. investment. The reason why the interest was so high, because once the genetic code is known of a particular organism, one could actually, literally on a computer, by design, make a vaccine and get it into quick laboratory production. It was all about loading it, If it could, how it would be delivered to the human body. Making the messenger RNA itself wasn't that difficult. Uh, a key decision was made to replace all the uracil with pseudouridine now that mm-hmm. made it very very efficient producing lots of protein but also indestructible right, but you're protein- saying hold on
0: you're saying since 85 i never heard that before so why all, but when this was put into the COVID vaccine was that the was that like ready for prime time it was that the first time that was presented to people in the way that it was
1: it, you know it was largely a military asset the military was developing this. BARDA, the research unit of the military, and DARPA, and, uh, BARDA research unit of NIH, uh, DARPA, the research unit of the military, were promoting this. 2012, the military, DARPA, announces the ADEPT P3 program, which said they will end pandemics with messenger RNA vaccines in 60 days. That was in 2012. Hmm. So there's been a longstanding aspiration to do this. The companies have had tremendous uh, federal financial support to push messenger RNA vaccines. We know Moderna from 2011 to 2016 had three COVID-19 patents. It's in the peer-reviewed literature now. So this was all locked and loaded, ready to go, that when there was going to be a coronavirus pandemic, messenger RNA was going to be used, a fait complete, if you will.
0: Yeah. So, what's, so what became the real danger in this, uh, uh, in the mRNA that caused the problems that it did?
1: Well, let's take the genetic code. The danger there is the genetic code would never get broken down. It would never be sliced up by what's called ribonucleases and digested. Uh, So the gamble would be it would stay in the body too long, and then it would produce whatever protein is coded for, for an uncontrolled duration and quantity over time. Every other prior vaccine, the quantity is limited. When you get a tetanus shot, it is a limited amount of tetanus toxoid, no more. When you get a flu shot, it's a limited amount of either killed virus or live attenuated virus, but no more the genetic vaccines now offer this unknown. The great unknown is how long is someone going to actually be presented with an antigen and for what quantity? And to this day, we still don't know how much of the Wuhan spike protein is actually introduced in the body when someone takes an RNA COVID-19 vaccine.
0: And didn't we hear, didn't we report on stories uh, some time ago here now where there was talk about putting them in the other tried and true vaccines? Is,
1: Is that correct? And still going on, Moderna has announced uh, several dozen messenger RNA vaccines. Again, once the genetic code is known, producing the messenger RNA is now not a problem. And the current technology is to load it on lipid nanoparticles and inject it into the arm. So all those methods are worked out so they could announce one vaccine after another. The problem is, Malcolm, we're still down to side effects. How can we possibly limit the side effects when we can't limit the amount of antigen. So let me give an example. Moderna's flu shot is proposing probably genetic code for two dozen uh, hemagglutinases. The hemagglutinase is like the spike protein of flu. Mm-hmm. Now, you can imagine several dozen of these produced in an uncontrolled fashion throughout the human body. We're talking about making a relatively safe vaccine, the, the previous flu shot, into potentially a killer like the COVID vaccine. Hmm. Wow, wow, wow.
0: All right. So now let's leap forward now and talk about really the bigger risk of this now being put into our foods and our animals. Um, and you know the other thing, let's not lose uh, attention to informed consent. The problem all this is this is being done, uh, you know, under the guise of these big corporate companies that just do it and push it on unsuspecting folks. There is no more informed consent. I mean, that's the biggest problem here that we've seen. It's one thing, you know, if you're going to do something, you know, it's in there and you understand the risk. I mean, we know all that from the vaccine business. So let's bring on uh, Tom Rents joins us today, Attorney Tom Rents. And uh, tell me, you have been on this fight uh, like nobody's business over the past few weeks uh, in regards. And it was about a particular bill coming out of Missouri uh, but tell us about what, in, in your thoughts here, the the real danger and the foods and the plants. Staying from that standpoint of the the animals and the the foods, what's what, what's the biggest concern from your perspective?
2: Well, I think when we look at this, I mean, there's there's two real questions, and one of them I'd like to love to hear Peter's thoughts on. One is when we look at these uh, these these types of GMOs, right? So we've got these GMOs and yeah, I'm calling it a GMO because we saw the, the reverse transcription study out of Europe. And Peter, I would ask you this. I mean, is there any evidence that these are not reverse transcribing into the into the DNA that's substantial that's, I mean, can we really say that for sure? To Because to me, what I've seen in the literature and what I've seen from the people talking about, and I defer to someone with your expertise, is that uh, you know? They say that this isn't ran, uh, you know, going through the reverse transcriptase pro- process, but they also said it was only going to be in your arm when you got it. Yet it's all over the body. They said that it was going to be a lot of things, and uh, you know, the 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 potential for genetic alterations. You know, if this transcribes into your DNA, how long? How long is it there? What's going on, Peter? I'm curious. I'm curious. And honestly, we've not talked about this. So I'm curious as to your thoughts on that.
1: Well, I mentioned the idea that the messenger RNA itself can just drive production of a protein, like a spike protein from COVID or flu or or elsewhere. Mm -hmm. The protein itself can do damage. But you're taking this to a whole new level, Tom, by making the case that, wait a minute, can the body actually make a mirror image of the vaccine in DNA? that DNA becomes a little circle called a plasmid, and can that move into the nucleus and permanently install the code for the vaccine into our own chromosomes? And the answer appears to be yes. And in a paper published from Malmo, Sweden, senior author, Yang DeMarinis, they showed it convincingly with the Pfizer vaccine that at least the center portion it does reverse transcribe through a natural enzyme called line one. And, and a plasmid is made, it readily gets into human chromatin, that was in the human hepatoma cell line. Now, other labs are trying to replicate that, and I can tell you there's a tremendous bias in the literature to allow anything to move forward, but no one has disputed the findings of the Malmo lab. So as we sit here today, Pfizer, and almost certainly Moderna do reverse transcribe and change human DNA, at least partially. Now, the question is from there, does the body recognize it and edit it out? Uh, is it permanently there and suppressed? Is it there and actually producing spike protein, causing you know disease within cells, within tissues and organs, yeah. or is it inducible? Meaning, in the setting of a, another stress, would it just you know literally open up, just like someone getting shingles or Epstein-Barr virus reactivation? And could it really make somebody ill several years later? All of those are unknown right now. Yeah. So well, they- and
2: so I'm Malcolm. I'm really glad that you had me on with Peter. It's a, it's a pleasure because, you know, to my mind, Peter's the foremost scientist on this, on the planet. I, I you know, I understand that he's within his specialty, but uh, you know, I, it keeps me disciplined, right? So it keeps me disciplined because as a lawyer, uh, I read that study. And so I could say uh, real simply, yeah, there's possibility this is screwing with our genes, right? It's, it's screwing with our, our genetics which is the first issue that I see as a lawyer, and I oversimplify it, but I'm a lawyer, not a scientist, I can do that. Uh, is this altering the genetics of, of us if it gets in there? We do know there's transmissible mRNA. We saw the study that came out of China that shows that China knows how to do it through cow's milk. Uh, I just found a video today of a company talking about transmissible mRNA in, uh, I can't recall which which plant. But uh, I just saw that today, and I'm going to be bringing that out shortly. And uh, we also know that one of the things I'm seeing is I'm seeing them refer to this mRNA technology in different ways. So they're calling it, I'm seeing it being called uh, particle RNA technology, uh, RNA technical platforms, because the mRNA uh, moniker is really getting getting a bad rap. So my two concerns
0: are, one, you're saying they're changing the vocabulary, Tom, on it? Absolutely. That's, well, that's what I mean, they always do, isn't it? I mean, isn't that what they always do?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, when you make a law that bans
0: mRNA, you're not
2: banning. Right. The what the problem is, is we need to ban things that screw with our genetics. Tim, what I
0: don't understand, Tom, let me just, why do they want to use this? And uh, you, do you have a reason or do you know why they want to use this in the food and the animals? What? What's the purpose? I don't, what is it?
2: Well, I guess that when you say they, it depends on who the they are,
0: right? <laughs> so, so
2: the farmers want to use it because the uh, their buddies in the veterinary world tell them to. Right. Uh, their vet, the vets want to use it because the ph- pharmaceutical sales reps uh, tell them to, and they pay them to, right? So uh, th- it depends on the who. Now, if you go far enough up that food chain, you say, well, why would someone want to do something that could potentially screw with your genome? Right. Well, that's a great question, isn't it? Hmm. Um, you know, to me, that's an awful risky thing. And even a minor change, and I defer again to Peter, uh, to my understanding, we, we may have mapped a large amount of the genome, but that doesn't mean we understand the whole thing, is my, not my understanding. If we don't understand it and you're tinkering with it, one mistake could have a cascading effect. And, you know, if we start taking something like this and understand that I'm not suggesting that every mRNA vaccine is a transmissible mRNA, but we don't know. And who are we going to trust? Are we going to trust the same Food and Drug Administration that told us these are safe and effective, that they'd stay in your arm, that the only side effects were soreness and numbness, maybe cold-like symptoms? Mm -hmm. Are we going to trust the same uh, FDA that lied to us about everything that there is COVID to keep us safe with this? I don't think so. Not in my world. And I guess the bottom line is, and I think the most telling thing, and I ask anyone to give me an answer to this. If the stuff they're putting in the animals or in the plants or in the food supply or any other product don't have a, the potential to cause problems with the human genetics, why would you oppose a bill that says that you only have to disclose if it does?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and you've posed that question in, uh, on multiple programs now. All right. So, what do you say, Doctor McCullough? To what's the purpose? I mean, there's got to be an overriding reason.
3: Well, when when Tom me... says
0: going up the chain, like here, here, and here, but why do they want to do this? What's the purpose?
1: Let me just get some concepts out. So, in terms of RNA products, we have what's called small interfering RNAs. So, I can prescribe those right now. There's several in cardiology I can prescribe. What they do is they shut off production. Of a abnormal protein or disease-promoting protein because that interfering RNA sticks to a normal human messenger RNA and literally blocks protein production. So that can be done for certain diseases. Those appear to be safe and effective. Uh, They're on a platform that is not pseudo-uridinated. So the pharmacokinetics show they're in and out of the body in a couple of days and they work. So we we've never seen any signals that they're cancer promoting or that they cause you know blood clots or anything else. So yeah. the the current RNA products are fine. I think there'll be future small interfering RNAs which are perfectly fine. The messenger RNAs in their current format coding for a non-human protein. I think that's the the real problem. Now, when in veterinary medicine, if they're using um, messenger RNA vaccines, let's say against parvovirus or against uh, a bovine uh, form of a virus, Mm -hmm. it's the same problem. So you've got the long lasting messenger RNA coding for a, a, a potentially fatal or injurious protein. The concern now based on this revelation we've had from the Chinese is this messenger RNA gets across the GI tract. It can be absorbed in what's called uh, exosomes readily, readily. Hmm. So that means if an animal gets a messenger RNA vaccine against an animal illness, now that messenger RNA will be ingested into the human. Now the human starts to produce whatever the animal was producing. That could make a human being very sick. So if a human being starts producing a parvovirus antigen or some type of uh, you know, bovine uh, tuberculous antigen or something like this, that potentially could make us very sick. So uh, what we need to be ass- assured of is that none of these messenger RNA products that code for abnormal proteins or, or ones that clearly could get into human bodies and actually effectuate a change in a human, those need to be outlawed and if they're even beginning to work with these, we need to be informed on the food label. Hmm. How
0: does the, uh, Peter, the spike protein fit into this conversation?
1: It does in the paper by Zhang, which I summarized on my mm-hmm. Substack, I was about a couple of news channels today mm-hmm. on it. What the Chinese did, a small Chinese company, is they took 675 base pairs out of the Uh, roughly 4,000 base pairs that code for the Wuhan spike protein. They took the ones, the the region for the uh, receptor binding domain, and then they were able to make phospholipid little packets or little bubbles out of milk, out of cow's milk, and load that with the messenger RNA successfully, keep it stable, and then administer it to mice on three doses about three weeks apart. And the messenger RNA was absorbed by the mice gastrointestinal epithelial lining And the mice started making antibodies against this receptor binding domain. So they proved that you can actually have an oral messenger RNA vaccine. So I I think that was a giant step forward. You know, they put it out on the preprint server. It was almost announcing this, this company's accomplishment, like it was a good thing. And when the world finally realized several months later what they did, we read this in horror. We said, oh, my Lord, this was so easy for them to make. That uh we're not talking about supercooling, anything else. There's only one final question of could it survive a human stomach and stomach acid? And we'll we'll have to see. But uh you know, we now are thinking, geez, if, if, if this is in you know meat or what have you, we'd have to cook it extra well done. You know, milk, I'm not sure how we could treat milk to make sure it's free of active messenger RNA. Hmm. So,
0: Tom, you think that um, the, the, I mean this uh, the M- mRNA? I mean, you're you're really questioning also back to the informed consent, like they're hiding something again. I mean, tr- let's face it, trust has been lost everywhere, and as soon as you hear these key words like mRNA and the messenger RNA, you know people get suspicious. But you're you're saying, I mean, if it was so safe and wonderful, why not just put it out there and right put a disclaimer of some sort that it's in there? but they're not willing to do that. They're hiding. So where's that at legally now?
2: Well, we're working on the bill. Actually, we've we've done some very clever things. And I want to thank Peter because, uh, you know, I talked to Peter the other day about this and he, he offered some, uh, the true mark of brilliance is being able to offer a very simple solution that nobody sees. And he offered a, a couple of pieces of input on the bill that were very, very simple. And uh, with that, we ended up Uh, Yeah, I worked with uh, the team who's actually sponsoring the bill, Holly Jones and her crew and everybody else. And they've got some some new stuff that they're going to do. And I'm uh, very grateful for Peter's input on it. But um, the thing about this is it's critical, Malcolm. And Peter uh, alluded to it without uh, intending to on this. He mentioned that this this company is out of China. So let's say for a second, let's say that uh, the, the Missouri Cattlemen's Association lobbyist who said that he's giving his cows mRNA vaccines uh, was wrong. Let's say he either lied or was wrong. And let's say that they're not. And let's pretend for a second that Sequevity, which is a pork mRNA platform, doesn't exist. Well, regardless of that, we have a Chinese company telling you that they know how to make your, you know, a transmissible mRNA. So how do we know? We got rid of country of label, uh, country of origin labeling, you know, in our federal government on the food supply. So we don't know where our food's coming from. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's China, Venezuela, wherever. But let's stick with China, who has said over and over for years that they would love to use weapons against the U.S. <laughs> how do we know what's going into that food? Do we just trust China? I mean, what we trust the Chinese Communist Party to make sure that the food we're getting is safe. Yeah, we we trust that that's the case. We don't, you know, we don't ask any questions. Our food supply, you know, comes from around the world and we don't even have country of origin labeling. So without a bill that says, hey, this is in there or this isn't in there. Who's going to know the difference? And the answer is nobody's going to know the difference because, uh, you know, there's that. And now there's one other issue, and I would love to get Peter's take on this as well. And that is uh, Bill Gates' factory meats. Hmm. So, you know, Bill Gates is making these factory meats, and they're genetically engineered from get-go. They fall through a lot of legal loopholes that would uh, that allow them to not be quite food and not be quite medicine, not be quite this, not be quite that. So we don't really even know what they have to do for that. But if you were going to engineer a meat, is it really a, a, a far cry to suggest that maybe that meat would have some uh, some properties that, that were not acted? to alter as a, you know, a genetically altering type of a, a mechanism. I think that the, the the Bill Gates meat, which is scheduled to be in restaurants in the next month or two, is probably as big or bigger a threat than anything they're doing with cows or pigs.
1: Well, I'd say there's one level, which is just genetically modifying the product. So, uh, you know, genetically altering an apple to make it bigger or to make a strawberry bigger um you know i think that's one thing and if if something's just bigger or it's free of disease and it itself has been genetically modified and we eat it you know there's no harm there we know antibiotics for instance are given to livestock commonly and is that uh, one of the reasons
0: they're doing this? That's what I was asking Tom a bit ago. Is that one of the reasons they're doing this?
1: Well, I think it could be one of the purported reasons is try to get a better yield from livestock, animals, plants, uh, yes. et cetera. I mean, that could be an obvious incentive uh, to farmers to do this. There may be uh, USDA or other regulations that say, listen, you know, you need to meet this new standard. But the difference here is, you know, we're not talking about mixing two seeds, and then being able to grow bigger apples, that's like Mendelian genetics. We're talking about actually injecting foreign genetic material in a food source, and then having that foreign genetic material enter our bodies, hmm. and potentially changing something in our body. If we eat an apple right now, it doesn't change our body. It's just a bigger, fatter apple. It's bigger than a natural apple, but it's it's fine. But if that apple itself is loaded with foreign genetic material, and then we bite into it, we now know it will get into the human body. And if that foreign genetic material causes some problem, it produces an abnormal protein. That would be the worst, like the, the Chinese COVID milk vaccine. That would be the worst. But even you know flu antigens, or parvovirus antigens, or antigens against... Uh, Uh, you know, various fungi, whatever, you can go on and on. The chances of this making us chronically sick are sufficiently high that uh, until we learn much more about this, I I think we should have a strict moratorium of any uh, messenger RNA or genetic treatment of products where the genetic material can be passed on to humans.
0: Well, maybe that's the bill you need, uh, Tom. Yeah
1: well we're struggling hard enough to just get them
2: to disclose it uh, you would have thought <laughs> no. you would have thought that we asked them to mm-hmm. uh, to ban food on a national scale entirely i mean it's it's unbelievable now i will tell you that uh, the good news is is that the, there were a couple of republican holdouts that were really the reason this wasn't moving mm-hmm. and uh, their concerns were based primarily on the fact that they thought that this was going to cause trouble for farmers so we, uh, w- like I said, we're just getting ready, and I'm hoping to unveil it on my show maybe tomorrow. I don't know. It's not quite ready yet. Otherwise, I would have done it right here. But we're going to unveil the language of that new bill. And uh, it's the same thing. It's just a page or two. It's very concise. It's very straightforward. It's the same bill as the sub- substitute language. It's the modifications so that we can and this this addresses every single concern that those those republicans holdouts had in missouri so at this point once we put this bill out there uh the good news is is that we will know whether these guys were actually holding out on principle or whether this was a big pharma buyout where they thought they were going to be able to get away with something uh so we'll find out and uh, i'm going to be publicizing the heck out of it Mm -hmm. and asking everybody on this planet to help us promote this and the other thing i'm doing malcolm is uh, I'm asking our GOP leaders, the guys that are actually good leaders, your Ron DeSantis, right? Your uh, your guy, you know, your your states like Texas, your states like Oklahoma, and these others. You know, hey, we've got this legislation we're working on. I need someone to sponsor it. You could potentially save millions of lives. There's no downside to it. I mean, we've we've gotten by for millions of years without having this sort of mRNA type. Mm-hmm. uh genetic modifying type stuff in our our ants, animals and plants that we eat. So, you know, let's hold off a little bit and make sure that it all works and is safe, you know, where independent scientists who are legitimate like Peter can actually review this and say, yep, it's safe. You know, Peter tells me it's safe. I'm gonna take his word for it. Mm-hmm. But uh the FDA, eh, not so much.
0: Yeah. Do, do you do you understand, Tim, um, what they're, in, you know, Peter was talking about maybe it makes things grow a little bit bigger or juicier or better or more consumption, you know, no. have they said or shared what their motivation is? I mean, do, do we, do, has that come out anywhere? Have you seen it? Well, so there's the public
2: conversations and there's the private conversations, okay? So privately, and I can't disclose my sources on this, so you're everybody listening is either going to have to take my word for it or not. Privately, in several states, I got reports from reps who the lobbyists told them outright, we're going to be using this, and we're going to be using it in the very near future, and uh, there's nothing you can do about it. You vote against it, we're going to be taking you out. That's, I mean, these guys are playing hardball. Hmm. If people think that I'm playing hardball with these guys by calling them out, they don't understand. These guys were doing this with these reps. That's why I can't get people to sponsor this. That's why no one wants to stand up, because you've got the big pharma and the big ag reps all saying the same thing and they're intimidating the hell out of these little state reps and these guys don't you know i i found a woman in missouri in missouri holly jones who had the courage to tell them where to go uh god bless her and i hope everybody in this country will support her and send thanks to her and to bill hardwick who's the the committee chair those two guys have been fighting hard for this there's a couple other real good people in missouri who are fighting for we're going to be giving them a great big thanks coming up but this is what's happened, Malcolm. I mean, yes, yeah. big pharma says hell no. And it makes sense. Here's here's my conspiracy theory side, right? Okay. So you've had Bill Gates say that, he, you know, if we can put uh, the vaccine into foods, you know, that solves our problems with getting people vaccinated. He's openly said that. Hmm. Uh, we know that they've been experimenting with different ways to get the vaccines into people. Gates foundation, for example, has sponsored studies on transmitting through, uh, through insects and through all sorts of things. So they've been working on creating transmissible vaccines for a long time. There's tons of scientific papers out there. There's enough of them that I don't even have to, uh, even a guy like me can figure out that they're working on it. Right. So they're working on these transmissible vaccines and uh, at the, in the meantime, do, you know, you see uh, Switzerland and the WHO both pulling back on some recommendations. Well, Switzerland, I don't know. But the WHO saying that, you know, maybe healthy kids don't need these anymore. Do we really think that the WHO is suddenly giving up hmm. on uh, mRNA or is backing off for any good reason? No, they're not doing that. They just plan on putting in the food and getting you that way. Mm. Uh, that's my, it's a little bit conspiratorial and I can't prove that, but that's what I think is going on here. I think they just plan on shifting tactics. I mean, none of these guys have said, yeah, this COVID Mm. thing, you know, it was a disaster. MRNA screwing with people's genes. Maybe not a good idea. They're, they're not saying that they're saying, yeah, we're going to hold back on kids.
0: Right. Uh, but well, we, we, we have seen down. a track record where they do double and triple down on everything. I mean that that seems to be pretty routine. They they never say uh, sorry or we messed up somewhere. Doctor McCullough, what do you say about uh, this point here? Um, you know, um, it, it, well, Tom calls it maybe it's a conspiracy thought or theory, but. The motivation. I keep coming back to the motivation. You know, are we, in other words, are we overthinking some things? We've all been tainted and whiplash from COVID over the last few years. So I always got to be careful to put my radar up and say, are we, are we speaking sensible here? Does this make sense? What, what do you think the motivation is? I mean, is it? Could it be? To get this mRNA in everybody because the vaccines didn't quite work to get some of us? or I don't know. It's
1: weird. The way to look at motivation is to look at research grants and read the specific aims. What are they aiming to do? So uh, here's one. This is a a release from UC of California, uh, UC Riverside, in uh, September of 2021. It's, It's titled, Grow and Eat Your Own Vaccines. And it says the future of vaccines may look more like eating a salad than taking a shot. Now, now, here what they're doing is they're not injecting the plants. They're actually designing the DNA of the plants to code for the messenger RNA for the pathogen. It's called plant-based messenger RNA vaccines, which can be eaten and then again, the human body absorbs this plant-derived messenger RNA. Now, uh, this that's the project goal. The project goal is to make an edible vaccine. This project was $500,000 from the National Science Foundation. And they have three goals to show that DNA contained, the messenger RNA vaccines can be successfully delivered into part of the plant cells where it will replicate, demonstrating that plants can produce enough RNA to rival a traditional shot in the right dosage. They list Juan Pablo Geraldo, who is an associate professor in the Department of Botany and Plant Sciences, and his total receipts so far for this work, including this grant, are $1.6 million. Uh, I can tell you that the stated goal will tell you that some of these projects are specifically to make edible vaccines
0: really perplexing. You know what else comes to my mind, Peter? It's kind of weird, but like, you know, when they were pushing the vaccines on everybody, and then the cats who were doing it were supposedly getting the vaccines, they always had a camera there. And I, I don't know, I'm just a straightforward guy, but I I thought, you know, are they really getting the vaccine or are they just getting water pumped into the van? I mean, what's the purpose of this if this is bad? Or like they all like, you know how they did it. They did a big camera shot. The politician was there or somebody said, oh, I'm getting a shot. I'm a big guy today, man. That's the same thing I'm wondering with the food. I mean, these people like eat, they eat out, they eat at restaurants, they eat at places. I don't really understand this, where this stuff comes from anymore. Are we just all going to hell in a handbasket and depopulating all of us so the planet's empty? Or does
1: it make any sense anymore? You know what I'm saying? It's weird, isn't it? Weird. I, I think it's fair to take people at face value. Okay. If they say they took the vaccine, okay. they took the vaccine. All right. Look at uh, Republicans. Are they willing to eat the food and all the
0: stuff on the cows and everything? We're talk- this is what I don't understand. And are we, well, it, which is why I bring it back. Are we, I, I don't really know. I question, are we overthinking it? Are we making too much? I mean, is it? I, I, I don't mean to sound, you know, cynical. I
1: don't know. It's just weird. You know? Well, when we see research grants where the goal is to produce edible vaccines, when the Chinese publish the fact that they get synthetic messenger RNA, synthetic, not plant generated, but synthetic messenger RNA across the finish line into a mammalian species, this is getting pretty close. Uh, You know, take people at their face value. Republican Congressman Nancy Mace said she took the vaccines, and she did. And now she's got side effects, and she's, you know, on the uh, the floor of the house telling people about her side effects. Mm-hmm. When these public figures take the vaccines and they have side effects and they come out, I take it at face value.
3: Yeah. Other
1: people clearly don't want to admit it, but if, if the research grant says we're designing food in order to give edible vaccines, take right. it at face value. Oh
0: yeah, no, no, I'm I'm definitely take that for face value at all.
1: Tom, I just, you know, it is
0: a wacky scenario. I mean, I just wonder if, you know, none of this, is, it, it just doesn't make any sense anymore. I, we've lost all sensibility in this world. I, I'm, I'm utterly confused at the moment as to good, bad, and indifferent. I mean, you really don't know who to believe anymore. Huh?
2: Well, the problem is that, uh, you know, distinguishing between good, bad, and indifferent is next impossible. Uh, so... Uh, the difference between Peter's profession and mine, uh, you know, his willingness to take someone at face value. Uh, I mean, I, my job's to deal with liars and crooks. So I I can't do that. I don't have that privilege. And, uh, you know, when you go to your doctor, if you don't tell them the truth, well, you're going to have troubles. Uh, when you go to the lawyer, it's surprising how many times I have to tell people, if I am your lawyer and you don't tell me the truth, I can't represent you. Uh, and then they lie to me anyways. Uh, or, you know, someone, uh, you know, I got to depose or cross or look at something. So they're different professions and I am much more skeptical. Um, but I do take people at face value to an extent. And when I listen to Bill Gates talk about, well, we're going to put food, yeah, you know, vaccines right. and food. And then Bill Gates buys all of our egg, and then Bill Gates starts with the factory meats and does all these different things, well, okay, should I uh, should I forget the other stuff that you said? Right, and right. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of concern here. yeah, and like I said, one of the biggest, you know, the second, I guess bigger hol- biggest holder of egg, in the united states is the conglomerate of ccp-owned factory farms yeah right yeah. they're owned by different companies different this different that but it's really the ccp that controls it and uh you know then again you know across the offshore stuff the food we're bringing i just don't trust what they're doing here I don't well we are a little people.
0: suspicious too tom because they're buying all the farmland and everything else in the country I everywhere mean, else yeah that's been a real problem listen but to be fair and to push back a little bit here I think that um, I, I think you, you you just heard Peter say uh, he said that he thinks there should be a moratorium on this that it, it should have be using this MRNA, period. I mean, isn't that the answer really, Tom?
2: Well, I don't think they should. And I agree that is the answer. But right. since we can't get them to pass a disclosure bill, I don't think I can get a ban. Yeah. No, uh, no, I think no, I'm going right. to have less life. But the thing here's here's it. The bottom line is, is that if we don't do this, we're going to have troubles. We're going to keep pushing until we get it. Um, I do have a question for, for you, Peter, you know, with regards to the factory meat, you know, when we look at the way that they're designing these vegetables uh, to to produce this sort of stuff, would would I be mistaken to suggest that maybe in an engineered food that's engineered from get-go, you know, these factory meats, uh, wouldn't it be even easier to hide some of this stuff in a factory meat that, you know, a factory meat being a a whole bunch of proteins put together that were designed from get-go. If you were going to hide something in in a food, wouldn't that be the easiest of them to do?
1: Sure. So if there's a designer product that had original DNA design, one could take that idea of just having DNA that codes for antigens of interest, have it be expressed in the Meat source, and then have people consume that. Now, the the antigens the proteins may not survive the GI tract, but potentially the genetic material would. Uh, we still have cooking to deal with. We still have the uh, GI tract, uh, stomach acid. We still have levels of protection. But I don't think we want Americans worrying about the food supply, as you pointed out, Tom. You know, we've we've had food for thousands and thousands of years. It's improved over time. Do you know there's a a, a quote that 40% of all food in America goes to waste right now? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're so oversupplied with food. We're so far away from food shortages that we simply just need to leave the food supply alone.
0: Mm. Yeah, that would be a novel idea. It's what I say, to you, uh, you know, the moratorium on the mRNA sounds like a better idea, really. But, as it, but I hear you legally, uh, Tom, what you're saying here. It is very strange. The whole thing has, uh, like you always say, does it pass the smell test? Well, kind of doesn't pass the smell test when you look at all the evidence we're talking about right now. I'm not comfortable with it. I wasn't comfortable with the vaccines, period. I'm surely not comfortable. But then the problem you're saying, Tom, that if they don't divulge it, you don't really know what you're eating at that point, do you? Right? You have no idea. Right?
2: No, no. And, uh, you That's know, the, the bottom
0: line is, is, yeah,
2: uh, yeah, when we look at some of these designer foods that they're creating, yeah. uh, you know, whether it's being created through an injection in a live animal or through an engineered plant or an engineered meat. Uh, they fall into legal loopholes. There, there's loopholes. This is ne- this is a new thing, right? You know, they, when they wrote a lot of these consumer protection laws for food, this is, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 you know, years ago. Uh, they, they didn't know, they didn't have plans for, you know, bioengineered foods with mRNA vaccines in them when they started doing this stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of loopholes here. And I'm very concerned from the legal side, about those loopholes, and if we don't plug that gap, you know, I don't know what we're going to be getting. And you know, like I said, I can't, I can't possibly argue with Peter as to which parts of this are going to be more dangerous and which are going to be less, and the precise mechanisms by which, uh, which it's going to work. But I don't need to. Here's what I need to do as a lawyer: I need to understand is there a risk? The answer is yes. Can we can we deal with that risk through simple legislation that doesn't cause too many problems? and uh that solves the problem and the answer is yes i can do it in a two-page bill two pages does the bill cause any any bad are there any major side effects to the bill is it going to disrupt any sort of a major industry or any sort of a necessity no so there's no downsides all sorts of upsides Mm -hmm. and uh why wouldn't you do it why wouldn't you
0: well back to the motivation we don't really know why they don't want to do it uh you know hard to say tom um Anybody who wants to know more on this, this is as you hear Tom's passion. He is all over this in a big, big way. In fact, uh, as you hear in this, just uh, yesterday there was a post: "The Cattlemen Lied." Uh, mRNA in our food is on the front page of America Alive. But there's a whole bunch of others. If you go to uh, the Tom Rent show under shows in the nav bar, you'll see a whole more a bunch more like uh, confirmed that edible vaccines are real. Well, Tom, uh, let me tell folks now they can listen to the Tom Rents show and get the whole lowdown uh, every weekday, uh, Monday through Friday, that is, you yeah, uh, know, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You'll catch the show right on the platform here on the America Out Loud Talk Radio. Uh, Tom, this was a great conversation. We could spend hours and hours here talking about it. Thank you for joining us, brother.
2: I appreciate you both. It's an honor to call each of you my friends. And I hope uh, I hope people will support the, the Loud Network and Peter's work in every way possible. I got nothing but, but good things to say about either of you.
0: Well, it's a privilege. It is a Thank privilege you. to have you here, buddy. Thank you. Um, all right. Back to, I think that what I see is a lot of correspondence, a lot of people communicating with is, again, the buildup of the spike protein in the body. Uh, and I want to I bring right to the wellness company and talk about spike support is what I want to do and, and get that out there, let people know. And it really is about this one ingredient. And I've been reading up more and more on it. And that is the, uh, the uh, natto kinase, right? That's a Japanese ingredient. Is that correct?
1: Yes, natto, natto kinase. kinase of, yeah. yeah, natto kinase of great interest. It is a product of fermentation when soy is fermented by a bacteria called Bacillus natto produces this enzyme, right. which has uh, is well-tolerated by the human body. The Japanese have been using this for several decades now. Uh, it does uh, dissolve blood clots. Uh, it works against uh, blockages of arteries with cholesterol. And the innovation was Tanakawa and colleagues in a very good set of preclinical experiments showed it, it basically dissolved the spike protein, which the human enzymes don't seem wow. to dissolve it. Uh, So it dissolved the spike protein that we need human data in people who've had COVID or have the spike protein or been vaccinated uh, to demonstrate that it actually, you know, does something in humans and figure out how long do we need to use it at what dose. Uh, But many are moving forward while the research is concurrent in choosing the spike support uh, product from the wellness company. It's the that's made with all U.S. products, well-sourced, perfectly dosed. Uh, Dr. Jen Vanderwater is the one who put together. It has black sativa extract, uh, as well as selenium, some other important elements uh, to it. And it's, it's the lead product right now, worldwide. Yeah, and yeah. so uh, many, you know, I advise patients today to get it,
0: friends instance. Yeah. Well, it's got the the dandelion root, uh, the black seed extract. It, it, it's got a whole host of things. These are in, in, in big ingredients for this thing. But a lot of people, I mean, listen, we, we. this is one of the biggest questions that's asked all the time is the spike protein. How do we get rid of that out of our bodies? How do we dissolve it? In other words, yeah. So this appears to be some sort of a breakthrough in that particular area, uh, the spike support formula. Uh and, and I think there's going to be more and more things like this, hopefully to help folks. As we're talking millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people uh, are struggling with these kinds of problems, friends. So it's it's not a you know, it's it's not a small problem. It's a big one indeed. Uh Spike Support, you let me give you a site now. It's just it's a brand new site. It's just called Out Loud Care. Out Loud Care, C-A-R-E, if my pronunciation is correct or you don't hear me, Out Loud Care. And um, you go there and you get twenty-five uh, percent off. Use the code out loud, it, but it the wellness company, twenty-five uh, percent off the product spike support formula is what you do, friends, to get that. The other really really cool thing I want to tell you about is I think it's going to be a huge program as it gets rolled out. Is one wellness and we're launching it here. Uh, first place you can get it is America Out Loud. Uh, and one wellness is it, it, so. What's really cool about this? Is you get all your care visits, all your virtual care doctor visits you need from top medical professionals around the country. And uh, this is all through the wellness company now. But you also get all of these supplements are part of this program. And I must have asked them 10 times, are you sure this is all part of this? It kept saying, yeah. I, I just didn't make any sense because it was 199 a month for this program with all the visits and all the supplements. So you can get the spike support, you get the heart and muscle one, you can get all kinds of products there. It's a phenomenal program. Look that up as well. That's at the same address, outloudcare dot com. Uh, and you get 25% off of that as well. So I encourage you to look at one wellness. Uh, the membership on that and uh, spike support for sure. And there's more things we'll be talking about ahead, but I want to get those out into your uh, thinking, for friends, especially for our family and friends and people who are hurting from this. A lot of things you can do, but you got to take control of your environment to be sure. Listen, we are blessed here. I got to tell you, it just dawned on me now. One of the best attorneys in the country, and what a passionate man. I love Tom Rents, I got to tell you, man. And we're just so thrilled to have him part of this network. But how cool is that on this program on America Out Loud Pulse? We have best attorney in class Tom Rents, and and best uh, best doctor, and in, in, for sure uh, is uh, Dr. Peter McCullough uh, on this broadcast today. You could you're, you're lucky. You're lucky. You couldn't ask for anything more. I think yeah. And yours truly here. Uh, so we'll uh, pause just a moment, and we'll return and get a few questions in here. Uh, stay right there, friends. You're listening to America Out Loud Falls.
3: The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company, Discussed the harmful effects of spike protein in your body and now they found the solution the miracle enzyme natto their spike support formula contains natto the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body what's more spike support is optimized with other all-natural non GMO ingredients like dandelion root to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells Everyone should take daily Spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order.
2: If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, pulvinone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again cofixrx.com that's c-o-f-i-x-r-x dot com use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20% off
0: AmericaOutloud.com if you can't find it here you can't find it anywhere we are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought working hard to earn your trust for 7 incredible years and counting America Out Loud Talk Radio. The Liberty and justice for all. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. I would join you back here on America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Out Loud here along with Dr. Peter McCullough. And we're going to get into some uh, questions now. And this is Q&A 64. And uh, Laverne says, Some time back, it was discovered that the COVID-19 vaccine reduces the immune response to COVID-19. The more shots you take, the more immune response is lowered. Two questions on this. The first, if a person stops taking the shots, will the immune system eventually recover? Second, is the immune response reduced in general or just to the COVID-19 virus and its variants?
1: Boy, that's a complex question. I would say that uh, the immune response will come back. I think it's temporarily suppressed, but it's suppressed across the board because we see a variety of infections, not only COVID uh, becoming you know, more frequent once people take multiple shots.
0: Okay, all right, this one is from CB. Uh, my sis has uh, just been uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. She has been double-vaxxed and taken two boosters. She is going to have a lumpectomy um, lumpectomy, and wants to take another booster. Is there any research that I can point her to that shows there's a possible link between the COVID-19 vaccine and the development of new cancers, which we've been talking about this new cancer business, still a lot unknown here. I really don't want her to take another shot. What do you say to that?
1: Well, the shot is not medically necessary, nor is it clinically indicated. That's the good news. And COVID is always treatable. So people should never feel... Like, you know, their only medical option is to take an experimental shot. Um, one paper from the University of Pittsburgh sh- showed by modeling that the S2 segment of the spike protein could interfere with tumor suppressor systems called P53 and BRCA. That would be solid organ tumors, uh, breast and female reproductive cancers. Now, that's in th- in theory. What we see in populations, no doubt about it, cancer rates are up. Cancer rates are up. So the two leading theories are, one, we've gotten behind on cancer screening and detection. It'll be several years before cancer rates are under control. That's simply an issue of lockdowns and healthcare access through the pandemic. Hmm. Or the other explanation is the vaccines are having a role in the development of cancer. We can't be for sure. But I think to be safe, conservative, my advice is no more shots. Hmm.
0: Wow, that's interesting to know what you just said. Uh, with the cancer numbers and not knowing the difference between those two Make, makes sense, though. Um, Linda says on a previous show, uh, this was uh, we're running several weeks behind on questions. This is back in uh, mid-March. Uh, Dr. McCullough had an interview with Dr. Clayton. I think his name was the doctor talked about a list of questions to ask one's doctor. It's good, probably good advice. That's what I was thinking here. And I wondered if it's possible to obtain that list of questions. Do you
1: remember anything about that? You'll have to review the archives on that. But in general, patients want to ask doctors, uh, you know, what protocol they use to treat COVID. Are they familiar with all the drugs and how to treat it? Uh, Are the doctors themselves familiar with the vaccine injury syndromes? And do they know how to treat them? And I think the third question to really ask them is, did they take the vaccines themselves? And if they did, <laughs> are they continuing to take the vaccine? Listen, uh, there's no privacy anymore. People have been asked to go, when they get into concerts and football games, and <laughs> go to school if they've taken a vaccine. You can ask your doctor if they. Took well, they a
0: broke all the rules on that meter, so
1: right. why not? Right, right, right.
0: Uh, I love what you said, and I love your pivot on this too. By the way, I, I, well, Linda, you did. We did one better. We actually gave you the questions directly from Doctor McCullough. Right now, I love this. Love it. All right. This one's from James. I am unvaxxed and had COVID in early May 22. Thanks to your early treatment protocol. I recovered in a few days and have been fine since. My question is, I recently received a dental implant that received a bone graft to support the implant. I don't know who the donor was. If the donor was vaxxed, is there a chance that the bone fragments used in the graft could transcribe, here we go, mRNA to me? What do you say?
1: Boy, I would doubt it. It's not a, you know, it's not a voluminous tissue transplant and there's all kinds of, you know, preservatives and other things used. Uh, so I, I just wouldn't worry about it. Uh, the blood supply is being actively looked at. Still not a proven case of transmission by blood supply. We've seen the the proof, though, via the GI tract. So I'm, I'm a little bit more worried about edible things. Now, you know, I didn't get a word in edgewise with uh, Tom he kept going on and on, but I wanted to make the point uh, back on this uh, vaccine and the food supply that I'm actually more worried about plants than beef. I think Tom's a big beef eater, so he's uh, he's looking at that, but I can tell you, Mecca, I'm much more worried about the plants. Remember, the plants could have genetic code altered, and they could express a protein that wouldn't bother the plant at all, but if we ate it, it could be really a problem for us.
0: Okay, okay. All right, interesting. Uh, here's one that is uh, plays to what we've been talking about, uh, Peter, and this from Anne. How or what is the test used to test to find the mRNA in my blood? Can a vaxxed person who has had three shots when in a relationship with a non-vaxxed person transfer mRNA, nanotech, or anything that is harmful to the non-vaxxed person? Uh, so this we get this question a lot. Can a non-vax person see if they have a relationship with a vax person? But what do you say first about the test on the mRNA blood? That's the what?
1: The... It's still not available. It's still not available. Uh-huh. So we still are using indirect measures to try to see if someone's been exposed to the spike protein. We can't directly measure the messenger RNA. Probably is transmissible by kissing, oral contact, potentially sexual contact. Uh, and I'm advising people refrain from that for at least 90 days after vaccination. Clearly, 30 days is transmissible, and I'm just giving it a couple months, uh, you know, leeway to uh, hopefully the body, you know, envelops this, begins to isolate it so it's not so transmissible.
0: Yeah, and we'll get this last one in here from Ben. I'd like to know if getting a blood transfusion from a person who has had several COVID inoculations would... I, as a non inoculated receiver, be at the same risk level of max injuries as those of inoculated people?
1: (laughs) You know, I would venture to say no. Even if it did transmit, it's probably a much lower quantity. Spike protein, I'm not worried about. Everyone's been exposed to it. Uh, Right now, United States, only 16% of people are taking boosters. Probably a small fraction of them are in the blood donor pool. So, um, we're not hearing about transfusion reactions. I get this call a lot. Listen, if somebody needs a transfusion, their life is on the line. I say take it.
0: Mm, there you go. There's the advice right there. It's always the denominator you got to look at. Our friends, thanks for joining us here on America Out Loud Pulse. Always a beat again.